So you remember all that stuff we've been telling you about NFTs for the past five years? Well, it's all a scam. That is, according to our buddy Jimmy Song, a friend of the show and a Bitcoin maximalist to the core, Jimmy's got some harsh words for NFTs and every token that isn't Bitcoin. It's great to visit with him once more and get his hot takes on the state of the crypto world. And believe me, they are very hot takes indeed. If there was ever a bad crypto episode of Hot Ones, this is it. Without the wings, of course. It's about to get super spicy in here, so you might want to bring a gallon of milk for this NFTs are trash, episode number 601 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition. Who's bad? Hey, Trev, do you watch Hot Ones? I, I have watched Hot Ones. It's such a great show watching. You know, you never know who's going to fall apart uh, and who's going to make it all the way through. I would be crying like a baby. I would like, I would be done about halfway through. <laughs> Give me a gallon of <laughs> I love spicy food, but with shit gets too spicy. Dude, that stuff just like feels like it's incinerating my tongue. And I'm just like, no, once it gets to the, once it, ah. Yeah, for people who don't know the show, the dude basically interviews celebrities and they eat uh, wings and they've got um, hot sauce that goes up the Scoble scale, the amount of chili and spiciness in it until it gets to like Inferno. And he's interviewing them like, you know, Letterman or or Jay Leno would only they're crying and they're gagging. And it's, yeah. it's pretty hilarious. The worst one is the Robert Scoble that's up at the very top of the scale. It's super spicy. So welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. We are your spicy hosts. What's a good S word for that would go with spicy in the crypto world? Super spicy. We're we're, we're super spicy shards of crypto. (laughs) You just sharded yourself. Yeah, it's good. Can you see this right here? What do you got? Uh, Is that Jimmy? Yeah, I met him today. Oh, you got to get to see Jimmy today in person. Awesome. Yeah, I wow. actually uploaded I uploaded a new video in our YouTube shorts where I was like me walking around and then taking a bunch of photos. I, I ran into uh, Kim Bosack, ran into Brian Bergerson of uh, Moby Pay, Brendan. ran into Jimmy Song, ran into Rice Crypto, yeah, uh, Crypto Windy O, nice. ran into J-Chains over there, BitBoy, uh, nice. ran into uh, uh, Miss Teen Crypto, yeah. uh, Virtual Growth. Awesome. It's literally like I was in one area and it's almost like they just kept, oh, here's another person that I know. And I was like, uh-huh. I'm trying to give me some food. And they kept seeing awesome people. So had some ran into uh, everybody but me. I did not go to the Bitcoin conference, uh, but you are currently in Miami. This uh, t- date stamp for this, it is the 8th of April while we're recording this. This episode comes out in two days on Sunday and you'll be back by then, right? I don't know. I might not. Maybe not. I don't know if you did you see the um well it's not impacting Palmas so much, but 80% of the island does not have electricity. Oh, because, I don't know what it's like by you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, well, my solar power apparently had something wrong in its motherboard and they were gonna replace it, but they haven't replaced it yet. So I literally have no electricity at my house, even though I have 27 panels of solar on top of that. Huh. So 20, 27 panels of solar. And zero motherboards that are functional gives you zero electricity. 
Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to make up for that today with a ton of electricity with our guest. Give me Jim. Give me song. Give me more. Give me Jimmy. Give me Jimmy. But before we do, I want to let you know crypto tax audit. You've heard it here before from our friend Clinton Donnelly, CryptoTaxAudit.com. It's a monthly membership service. And uh, this is basically going to show you everything that the IRS knows about you. And these tools are great. It's totally worth the price. We don't get a commission or bump for this. We're just telling you about it. Uh, Clinton Donnelly, the CPA, is a friend of the show. We think this um, service is valuable. Go to CryptoTaxAudit.com for audit protection and do-it-yourself return instructions. It's not too late. In fact, the uh, the day is arriving. April 15th is yeah. almost upon us. So you want to get this yeah. done. I love, I love Clinton Donnelly. Right. <laughs> hey, Trav, before we uh, we go to the Jimmy Song interview, I want to show you something. Uh, What's you, that? Know, you and I are both holders of Gary V's V friend NFTs and VCon is coming up in Minneapolis in uh, 41 days from now in May. Yeah. And they just released this new um, teaser trailer on Twitter. And I'm pretty hype about it. And see if you recognize any voices in this video. I wanted to show people that NFTs were much bigger than art. You're going all in. V-Friend. These are not just picture NFTs. Here's what's nuts. Every V-Friend comes with a three-year ticket to VCon. It's a Coachella meets South by entrepreneurial super conference. Legends come. You're always about tomorrow. You just start your NFT business. You're taking that shit to the next level. I think it's brilliant. This conference is going to be bananas. I can't wait for it. <laughs> How about that, good sir? Made a conference is going to be bananas. Yeah, we made a special appearance in there. They chose to use the uh, video clip from our interview with him before V Friends launched. That's true. So, uh, you know, we had we had Gary on the show. I think we had him on the Nifty show, right? He wasn't on. Yeah, we had him on the Nifty show before V Friends. And, and I think we put it on Bad Crypto too, or maybe a clip went on Bad Crypto. Yeah. Hopefully you guys listened. Hopefully you jumped on and got yourself some V friends. There were some people out there who were detractors saying, Gary V don't know nothing about no NFTs. They don't need to be doing no NFTs. See, that's what's wrong with the space. And and they were wrong. And uh, it's what it is. What were, it is. They were very wrong. Anyway, looking forward to VCon. A lot of our friends are going and uh, let us know if you're going to be there. You know, if there's enough bad cryptopians there, maybe we can do a little bad crypto meetup. So uh, shoot us a message to podcast at gmail.com if you are going to be uh, at VCon in Minneapolis in May, and uh, maybe we'll get together and uh, have adult beverages or something. Yeah, dude, I've ran into so many fans. I'm I'm in Miami at Bitcoin conference right here, as you mentioned. And when when I was standing at one spot, I think six, seven different people came up in different groups. Six, seven different groups came up and said, dude, we're in this because of you and Joel listening. We listened to your show early on. And I always say, no, dude, you did it. You're yeah. the one who were out there seeking knowledge. You found it. You were researching it. We were just a conduit, my man. You did it. And uh, I just love it, though, when people come up to us and say, man, you know, we love listening to your show because it has impacted my family's wealth trajectory. Mm. Not that we're financial advisors, but that we're saying, hey, check this out. Check that out. And it's just awesome. 
It's, it's very humbling, and we're grateful for all of you who uh, who listen to the show. Uh, get ready for a super interesting interview. Jimmy does not shy away from controversy. He is definitely not on the NFT bandwagon. You'll hear about it or watch it if you are watching our um, show on YouTube or odyssey.com. Here we go. Senior Jimmy Song. I always like being able to start a show with Jimmy because the world needs more Jimmy. That's right. Especially Travis. They need more songs. We We need more songs. We need more Jimmy's. We need more songs about Jimmy. And the world has just the right amount of Jimmy song. There's one of them. He is a prominent Bitcoin developer and author, venture partner of Blockchain Capital, loves teaching the world about Bitcoin and blockchain for a repeat appearance on the Bad Crypto Podcast, the one and only Jimmy Song. Hello, Jimmy. How's it going, guys? It's good to be here. I uh, Just one little note, I'm no longer a venture partner at Blockchain Capital. I am an advisor at Unchain Capital, so got a couple words there. That we'll just collect, correct that. Advisor yeah. at Unchained, <laughs> Unchained uh-huh. Capital? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we're we're creating uh, show notes That's on the good. fly. Right? Hey, I was just thinking. I was just thinking. You should have a. You should create a podcast, and you're, you should have two co-hosts, and they should both be named Dan, and you could call it the Song and Dance. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know too many people named Dan in the crypto. Dan stuff. Held. You can get Dan Held, and then uh-huh. somebody else, another Dan. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, song, song and dance. That's 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 clever. I I kind of like it. I I just wish I had more friends named Dan. That's all. Yeah, I need more friends named Dan. Now you can yeah. introduce yourself. So that's write us uh, if you're if you're a Dan and you want to know Jimmy and do a podcast <laughs> with him. Write us at badcryptopodcast at gmail The last time you were on the show, Jimmy, I believe was episode number one forty four. It was on June the twenty fifth, two thousand eighteen. So almost four years ago the title of that episode was bitcoin is all that matters here we are four years later at that time bitcoin you know had reached a high of almost twenty thousand, came back down to about 3500 now we've seen highs of sixty nine thousand. Timestamp stamp uh, march 29th is the day we're recording this 2022 bitcoin's around 47 and, and a half right now is bitcoin still all that matters Yes, yes. Uh, no, no problem saying that. I know there's always like the new flavor of the day. You know, you got some NFTs or DeFi or whatever. None of those things matter. No one's going to remember them in 10 years. Everyone's going to be like uh, thinking of them as we do beanie babies right now. Right. Like we, we talk about how, oh, remember that beanie baby craze in the late 90s or something like that. Nope, nobody remembers any of that anymore. Um, and it, it had no significance other than as a warning to other people that don't get caught up in this uh, weird mania because, you know, if you don't understand what the heck is going on, you're probably the sucker. So um, sadly, I, I, I think that's uh, an indictment on, on a lot of the space, the crypto space, as you you would call it, uh, that that are into that stuff. But Bitcoin Bitcoin's the one thing that matters. It'll still be here 10 years from now and it will still matter. Uh, whereas all that other stuff is just gonna go the way of the Beanie Baby. But, but when you, you hang on a second, cause I'm looking at Beanie Babies and the value right now of the rarest one is half a million dollars. Oh, is that true? 
the princess bear, the Valentino bear is worth <laughs> 20 grand. Claude the crab is worth 10 grand. Weenie the dog is worth 2,500. Oh, not Weenie the dog. Yeah, Weenie the dog is <laughs> worth 2,500. So, I mean, it may, maybe, I think for a while, it was definitely a fad and then they overproduced and then the market came crashing down. But for collectors now, they're kind of back. So is that yeah. well, I mean that that that's more an indictment on fiat money and how much we've been printing. But uh and huh. like every collectible has gone up insanely in the last couple of years, including I guess some beanie babies that maybe some people when they were you know seven or eight, they were collecting them. And now they're now that they're 30 something, they're like, you know what, maybe, maybe it's worth like going and getting some of that. I don't know. Something maybe like there's some nostalgia, Joel. They're all like, Man, I wish I had jimmy the frog <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> they don't have that one i don't even know that's one um actually in the uk they have the forest prevention fighter smacky the frog i don't know if you knew that it's from an old mitch hedberg joke um but it's true it's smacky the frog you got smoky the bear um but so <laughs> so so yeah but i'm saying this from nft la right now i'm actually in la mm. uh, hanging out here it was rainy as shit yesterday it was unbelievable um the one day a year that god washes the filth off the streets of la which was mm. awesome. and mm. um i don't know if it works but um there's a lot of stuff going on man a lot of things to unravel so you got a new book out mm -hmm. and um there's it's about the american dream right around crypto i want to talk about this because right now we've just seen how the uh you know the world is trying to cancel russia right mm. they've kicked russia off of swift they, you know, Visa, MasterCard, no longer over there. And now what we're seeing is, well, they always talk about the new world order, but it looks like it's a new world order that they weren't necessarily planning on, potentially. I don't know if it's planned or not, but Russia <laughs> and China, excuse me, Russia and China are starting to work together, right? And they're going to, they just said, hey, China's like, all right, we're going to pay Russia in rubles, or they're going to pay them in yuan. And then India's getting in the game. Brazil's getting in the game. The BRICS. Are like, all right, we don't need the old fiat dollar system and the, the world reserve currency as it is. And so it's crazy what's going on right now. So what what is your you know thoughts on the world reserve currency and then maybe Bitcoin's role in this changing world we're in right now? Yeah, uh, so I, I, I do feel like the U.S. kind of made a mistake a little bit in, uh, in sort of, uh, you know, banning Russia from using the U.S. dollar rails because I, I, I think... Uh, Crypto Hayes, uh, Arthur Hayes, he's uh, the BitMEX guy. He, he wrote this very long article about how he thinks this is the beginning of the end of the U.S. dollar system. Because yeah. it, like you, um, at this point, anybody that's ever uh, done dollar transactions knows that it, any country anyway, uh, they, they know that the SWIFT system and, uh, you know, the rails on which all of the international settlement happens with the dollar. If you get the US mad, then they're going to sort of like take it away from you. And and Russia is feeling the brunt of it. But in a sense, they're, they've been preparing for this moment for a while. They've had bilateral trade agreements with a lot of other countries and so on. Uh, so you you've basically isolated them, but now they're motivated to go create their own sort of uh, you know, exchange system using something else. Um, I, I said in a tweet the other day that, you know, every time 
you know, money is seized from somebody, uh, like through a trusted third party, um, whether it's legitimate or not, a new Bitcoiner is born. Every, every, every single time that happens, a new Bitcoiner is born because they know that it can be taken away. Once it's taken away, for whatever reason, legitimate or not, you're, you're not going to want to give them that power. And that means that they're, they're, they're going to use something else that can't be taken away. And this is the beauty of Bitcoin is that it can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't take it away. Uh, and that, that in itself is very um, interesting in terms of global politics and like where Bitcoin's role might emerge as, as we go towards a fractured world. Uh, because in a sense, like most of the world has been running on the dollar standard using that as sort of like the lever of trade or the, the settlement currency for everything. Mm. Um, now there's at least two or three countries that are saying, hey, I don't know if that's a very good idea because, you know, these guys are mad at us and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, are, are you really going to be able to stop, you know, Russia, Iran and China from trading with each other uh, at this point? If, if, if you're don't have if you're not using the dollar, then you know there, there's going to be these uh, these ways in which um, you know the dollar gets undermined as a result. So you know I, I don't know if it was a great idea, but it, it's it's certainly showing that you know international finance is uh, is starting to waver a little bit in like the world order that that's been in existence since like the seventies. You know, you say it can't be taken away, but mm. just like, you know, when we went up the gold standard, they said, hey, you got to trade in your your gold for our paper money. Um, mm. Could they not make Bitcoin illegal? I'm not saying that they will, but if they did and said, hey, if you transact with us, you can go to prison. So trade it in for our, you know, our Fed coin, which mm. is a very real possibility. Then what happens? Yeah, I mean, they, they certainly could. And, uh, and you know, the reason why FDR was able to do Executive Order 6102 was because most people didn't hold gold. <laughs> most people held dollars. And the exchange was that you, can, you could go redeem $20.67 for one ounce of gold at any time. And that, that was the deal. That, that was how the banking system worked. And that's what the dollar represented. And that was the case for much of the world for a long time. The thing that changed uh, was, uh, well, the, the reason why he was able to execute so well on the Executive Order 6102 was because the banks had all the gold. So what he did was he just went to the banks, took their gold. That was it. It was really simple because all the gold was in one place. Um, with, with Bitcoin, that's going to be much harder. Uh, now, some people did hold gold in their house and stuff like that. Um, it would have required them sending the feds to every single home and searching them in order to go get the gold. And they did that in a couple of high profile cases. But the vast majority of uh, Americans that held, held physical gold were able to hold on to it because you know, the feds weren't going to come knocking on your door. And, and as long as you just sort of kept it safe somewhere, it was fine. And it was good for them to do so because just a year later, uh, 1934, you know, FDR revalued gold or the dollar to gold ratio instead of $20.67. Now it was $35. So that was monetary debasement. And this is what the Fed does sort of like every day now. 
But that that was his way of expanding the money supply by just making the dollars worth less. And that's that's essentially what happens with inflation. Could they do that with Bitcoin? I really don't think so, because everybody has. Uh, it, I mean, he can certainly go in and uh, take them from exchanges. I don't think that would be that hard. But a, a very large amount of Bitcoin sits off exchange. And uh, and th this is why we keep our own uh, hold our own keys and so on. Um, if you have them at an exchange or whatever, then, you know, uh, you can just go get it. But for, uh, you know, we've been preaching in this space that not your keys, not your coins. Well, if they're, they are your keys, the government might not even know you have it. And they are certainly not going to be able to raid your house and take, uh, take it uh, very easily, uh, especially if you have a reasonable uh, security setup. Um, you know, at least with gold, they can just like find it and then take it. Uh, with with Bitcoin, it's a lot harder. So they could make it illegal. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, countries like China have made it like gone right up to that point of making it illegal. Uh, but you know, the nice thing is, if uh, if they do make it illegal, I, I think there are remedies. You you can still transact in Bitcoin because it's a peer to peer currency. You don't need a third, trusted third party's approval in order to transact in it, uh, and that means that it's ultimately going to be a lot easier for people uh, to subvert their government. So in, in a sense, it'll be kind of like a a, a law in name only, and uh, most people are just going to be like, ah, eh, whatever, like I. Like for store, and also you're just gonna push people to other places. Just like China mining ban meant that all of the mining came to like Texas and other places. Um, all right, like the other jurisdictions are like, great, we'll we'll take those jobs, we'll take that economy, we'll 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 gladly, uh, you know, take some of your economy away from you right. uh, that you don't want. That's basically what's going to happen. So I, I, I don't see that as a real viable uh, thing that the government can do. Yeah. Well, you know, coincidentally, as we're talking about this, as we are delivering a red pill suppository today, um, the Russian central bank is, is talking about a gold backed crypto ruble. And it's basically going to be a fixed price of 5,000 rubles per gram. And they mentioned they're going to start uh, launching this between March 28th and June 30th is when that's going to happen. Because right now, it's like, you know, my girlfriend's Russian. She's not able to access anything. Like, mm -hmm. PayPal shut her down. Her visa mm -hmm. doesn't work. They, her bank, she can't access her bank account. No, none of that stuff is there. So it's, and she can't even fly back home right now because of the craziness going on in the world. Can't fly over, you know, to Russia over American airspace or European airspace, and it's just such a fiasco right now. But a golden-backed crypto ruble, that sounds like something that could disrupt some global finance, doesn't it? Uh, maybe. I, it depends on the redemption uh, properties. The thing about anything physical is that you you have to have a delivery mechanism. Um, with dollars, it's a little easier because you know it, it's on somebody's bank account and there are some people that are able to redeem uh, Tether if they wanted to, apparently, uh, although like the Tether demand is through the roof everywhere. Um, but, you know, if you do have a crypto ruble, um, does that mean like normal rubles are also redeemable in gold? Because that would be like the first gold backed currency since like Switzerland in the 80s or something like that. So that that would be a very interesting thing. If they do do that, then ruble 
demand is going to go through the roof. Um, and, you know, if, if assuming that there's a reasonable way to go and convert it to the actual gold, um, because, you know, gold demand is very high in a lot of places. And, uh, you know, if, if there's a lot of rubles, then, uh, you know, or too many rubles for the gold that they hold or something like that, then, um, you know, it might be found out when they refuse to uh, convert it or whatever. Uh, I, I mean, it, it could disrupt it. I, I, I suspect that the details are going to matter significantly. I, I, I honestly think like Bitcoin's far superior because it's a native digital asset and you don't need deliver. Uh, the delivery is just on the blockchain. So it's, it's very easy. Um, whereas delivery of gold is, you know, like you, you have to send armed ships and, you know, like those armored cars and stuff like that. To sure. well, it's a de definitely a better, you know, Bitcoin is a better delivery mm -hmm. mechanism. But when the West is trying to completely cancel a country and they're mm -hmm. going to go, well, here's our best case, uh, best option. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so <clears throat> they're finding solutions outside of the traditional system. Now, mm -hmm. you know, I guess they're making Bitcoin be more more legal there. Uh, because that's a, that's a solution for them. But up until the Ukrainian sort of thing, they they weren't they you know they were making Bitcoin illegal in Russia, right? They were making mm -hmm. they were trying to make crypto illegal, and it's like this is the solution to help them when the West is canceling them. And so it's like, well, they're trying to figure it out, either Bitcoin or creating their own crypto backed by gold. I, I think it's an if they do that, it's an interesting experiment. Yeah, it it, it definitely would be, but the. The main thing is that there are sort of like side channels that you can uh, send value in. And th this is something that, um, you know, the G7 leaders or whatever, I don't think really counted on is they're like, OK, well, we're going to make it almost impossible for Russia to do anything and Russians to do anything. Um, and that's obviously what your girlfriend is experiencing. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's going to be a very hard uh, thing to shut off every valve because right now in the digital realm with, um, you know, transfer of value available over, you know, like the internet, basically, um, it makes that very, very tough. Um, but, you know, I, like the, they might just, uh, you know, sanction more and more things and try to plug more holes or they might realize it's is all futile. I, I, I'm not sure which direction they'll go, but the, those are the two possibilities there. So it's been my contention for quite some time that after the last run that we had, when we're looking at the CoinGecko chart, you know, we, we bottomed down last summer to just under 30,000. We hit um, last November about 69,000. And then, you know, people were going, oh, we're going back under 30 again. And they, people, some, you know, who are bearish say, oh, once we've fallen from that 69, we're entering into a several year bear market. When we look at the the uh, past history of Bitcoin, my gut tells me that we have yet to see the mother of the bull runs. And perhaps now we're beginning to see the motion in that direction. While not being a financial advisor, what does your gut tell you? Or, or do you feel like we're going to see the super bull run before the bear market happens? Or are we just going to go sideways or maybe down? To me, when you're asking that question, it is like high time preference behavior personified. Everyone wants to know, hey, what's going to happen in the next few weeks? Right. That's not that important. The thing that's important is what happens over five or 10 years. If it, mm -hmm. if it goes up or down in the next three months, whatever, like that's, that's just something that'll happen. 
but uh, but you know, like ten years from now, the thing that will be significant is how much it has sort of like become a global reserve currency, uh, and how what 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 the price will be like in that in, in those timescales. Um, and you know, like the reason price analysis of hey, what what's going to happen in the uh, in the next few weeks is so popular is because most people have high time preferences. This is a fiat disease. Everyone wants to know that because they're really only living for the next few weeks. So they, they just want to be rich for this, this amount of time or whatever. <laughs> a fiat. In two months, bro. That's all a fiat disease. That, that's yeah. interesting. The, the ultimate thing that you, you really want to look at is, is it going to be, uh, you know, uh, what, where's it going to be five years from now, 10 years from now? And, from my perspective, the gut feeling there is, hey, it's going to be worth a lot more than it is now. And if you believe that, then the rest of this crap doesn't matter, right? Oh, is it, are we on another like bull trend here? And are we really going to hit a hundred thousand? I don't know. It might, it might not. I have no idea. Uh, and like short-term predictions to me are, uh, are just showing that you, uh, the, the people that are, watching this stuff a lot of the people that get obsessed with uh you know trading charts and all that they they are living a high time preference life and that's not good for you i'm telling you right now you do that and you fomo into something or whatever that that's you're you're gonna have like that squirrel mind for the rest of your life uh what what you want to do is what if i like nuts 10 years what, what if i like <laughs> nuts in here so i i concur i hodl my uh my bitcoin i'm in it for the long haul i don't know how people do the trading you know mm -hmm. trying to capture the ups and downs and what's really interesting to me is people will look at bitcoin and go Oh, it's 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 too much. It's sixty nine thousand. I can't invest in that. Then it goes down to thirty, and they're like, "Should I buy?" <laughs> you know? It's like, you know, you either you understand this, what this is, or you don't. Yeah, and it, you you understand it or you don't. And like the only times people are really really happy are when Bitcoin's at an all time high, and that happens like every every out of like a four year cycle that happens for maybe like four months uh, or four, four to eight months, something like that. And it's, uh, you know, sporadic, right? Like you'll, you'll get an all time high, then you'll dip a little bit and then you'll get another all time high, like a few months later or something like that. Um, and, you know, like the no coiners all look at it and say, ah, if you bought at the very top, then you'd be down this much. And if you bought at the very top here, then you'd be down there. It's kind of a disingenuous argument. Look at the long-term trend. Those those local the local volatility doesn't matter that much on a long-term timescale. Uh, if you bought at any time in uh, in 2017, you'd still be up significantly right now. At any time in 2017, and we we went through a significant bull run at that point. You could have bought at the beginning of 2017. You could have bought at the end of 2017. No matter what, you'd be up right now, right? Like that, that's the thing. It's uh, over a five-year period, no one has ever lost money on Bitcoin. They have on a lot of altcoins and fiat and lots of other stuff, but not Bitcoin. Bitcoin, five years, you're, you're good. And that that's the thing that you need to sort of focus on and not, okay, uh, is it is it going to go on an uptrend? And how soon can I retire? Just keep working, like keep stacking and like worry about like your plan for five to 10 years and not what's going to happen over the next six months. I don't know. But what, what our audience really wants to know is, is should we buy a V1 crypto punk or not? Like or a board ape? I mean, what do you think? Like, I think we should. I mean, that seems like a good investment. 
uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I really don't think drooling chimps are gonna have any value. Come on, dude. You know you got a fat I, stack just, of freaking. I, I, I really you know you got some so. NFTs over there. Okay, I, I want to fight I, I you really on don't. this, Jimmy. Not in a <laughs> not in a Will Smith slapping Chris Rock kind of way, but <laughs> um, you, do you see no value? In NFTs at all? I see you? zero value. I see this as bribery at the worst scale. I see this as artists selling out their souls for the sake of these crypto projects. I These people are dead to me because you, you have given up all of the things that you wanted to say with your art for the sake of pumping some other coin and you've sold your soul. That's That's what I think. But can you tell me how you really feel? Because I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure. So, but what do you what do you say to those who say, okay, we're creating this NFT, and this is for having this. This becomes uh, entrance into our community and gets you real life experiences and physical goods and digital goods and entry into various memberships. It, are, are those still trash uses to you? No, but it doesn't makes sense to do it on a blockchain. You know, there are lots of people, uh, lots of services like that. You know, you can go and do like Sausage of the Month Club. You go sign up on a website. They take care of everything for you instead of having it on some random blockchain and pumping some uh, coin that's going to make some VC super rich. And, you know, some some uh, most of the people that get into it really poor. But, it doesn't make any sense to do it on a blockchain. It, it, it is horribly inefficient. It makes, uh, you know, you, you can't upgrade anything. You have to constantly, uh, uh, you, you have to constantly check to see if it's like valid. And uh, there's all sorts of insider trading and all this other stuff. It makes zero sense to do it on a blockchain like that. Like it, you, you do it on a website, you do it in a centralized way. That's how all of these services where you have memberships or something like that work. If you wanted to, if you wanted to go and get a membership at your local country club or whatever, you can go do that. You just pay them some money and they give you a membership card and it's in their database. Great. You don't need to pay like four hundred dollars in, uh, you know, gas fees or whatever, so you can go and get an NFT that uh, entire. It's it's a boondoggle Rube Goldberg machine that makes zero sense to do in that context. So for for people that are saying, oh, can you do this or that or whatever, it doesn't like. There's like a hundred million better ways to do it than that. And it, uh, like the the thing that I compared it to in my recent article on Bitcoin Magazine. Is, do you guys remember the beginning scene of Pee Wee Herman, uh, you know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure or something like that? What was the opening scene? Remind us. Well, it, well, it was basically like all these like little machines and then it like cooks him breakfast. It's like, you know, a connecting thing. And it's like, that's what that's what this is like. It's like completely useless. There are easier ways to make breakfast. You don't have to go and, you know, have like a ball roll down into like a little pit like causing a lever to go up and causing the, you know, light lighting thing to go on. And then like, you know, like it's a Rube Goldberg machine. It doesn't make any sense. And it's justification for Ethereum's existence. It is selling out your, uh, your soul so that Ethereum can pump. And they're, they're giving you some, some of that as a bribe in order for you to pump their thing. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Well, you'd probably appreciate this because this article on sci-fi that says the breakfast sequence in Pee-wee's Big Adventure proves Pee-wee is a psychopath. So 
<laughs> so maybe all NFT people are, are psychopaths. Uh, I'm not going to fight you any further on it. I feel like this is a rabbit hole that I could go down all kinds of directions on because oh, I, yeah, there's, I there's disagree so many with things. you on yeah. so many levels. But you're our guest and in our house and we're very respectful <laughs> with our guests and we're glad that you're here. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm fine fighting uh, people on this because I, 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 you know, spent hours on Clubhouse. I think one time, just like arguing with with an artist, I was like, no, but you know, artists get this and artists get that. It's like, yeah, and you've completely undermined your message, right? Like you're 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 basically selling out to Ethereum so that they could they they will give you some money for your art and Isn't all, that- all the art that all that your art represents now is some token somewhere rather Isn't than whatever message you want to make uh for the world and to you know show the world that something something is uh wrong or bad or isn't good that or up jimmy to the artist to decide and not everything is on ethereum we've minted a, a million and a half nfts on wax and there's no gas mm-hmm. fees and it doesn't cost anything for people to, to yeah not, not, now you guys have pumped wax right like that that's the thing if you if you really wanted to do an nft you could do it on your own website and make uh, and, and do everything that they say you could do. The only reason why people go on Wax or Ethereum or Binance Chain or whatever is because all the buyers are there. All the all the all the people that will pump your thing in exchange for you being on their platform are there. These are the people that are that got in early. These are the people that got in on the pre mine or whatever. They're willing to go and give you a ton of uh, of their pre mine coins because uh, you know as a bribe so that you you are on their platform if you were actually an artist that wanted to give digital rights to something in some metaphysical way you could do it on your website in a centralized way no problem and you 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 could keep all of that and you wouldn't have to have this root goldberg machine or anything like that what happens jimmy when somebody wants to sell that and then uh, as a creator, I get royalties on that for the rest of my life. And I don't have to be any part of that transaction because it's on blockchain. Yeah, that's called a tax, man. Uh, that, that, I, I don't see why that's a good thing. Every time you want to transfer something and you now get taxed. Well, for that the to artist. Me is like, that, that to me is like the anathema like, uh, 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 of, of what you want with private property. If, I, if every time I sold, a, uh, sold anything I had, right? Like I, I, I have this hat, for example. Uh, now, now the hat creator gets 20%. That, in any other world, that's called a tax. And that, that's a third party that gets benefit without ac- actually adding any value to that transaction other than their approval. Uh, and I, I don't see how that's a good thing. It, it, it just means that you don't it's actually a great thing own it. It's a great thing for the creator. Because imagine this. Like yeah, because the creator's they, the taxer. They're, they're, they're the person that's benefiting. Right? It's not a government tax. It's a person who created this thing. You get a long-term thing. Yeah, uh, no, that means that you don't actually own it. So I have an NFT. Okay. Oh, but I need the artist's permission. And I need to bribe them with uh, 20% of the sales proceeds. Well, so some I people get a little crazy. That, 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 that's a not a good percent. thing. That yeah. just means that you don't really own it. Go, that Jimmy. Means that you own like 20% of it, and I own 80% of it. And every time I transfer it, you have to get your 20%. That, that's a tax. That's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. I if really I buy wanna... something, I want it to be mine. <laughs> and, and if you have a claim to it, I can't freely transfer it to somebody else. Then I don't want it. Oh my gosh, I want to audio tune that rant so badly. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a tax. It's a bad thing. Well, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting experience type of things that you can do that I think is great. Like, so explain to me in the real world how you would do this um, for tickets, right? Because right now we got I got to print a shitty ticket off, uh, and then I got to take the paper in. Well, with NFTs, you can literally have that as a ticket. You can unlock that, create a digital experience, and then they can know that you're here, and then drop you stuff into your wallet while you're at the event, and then when you leave. They can drop you things in your wallet down the road because you were at an event and you were there. It's like a it's like a continuing community building kind of a thing. So there's some there's a lot of really interesting use cases for NFTs and ownership, but I think a lot of it's exploited by the people, the artists, and the people out there who are trying to rug pull and get you know get rich quick and not fully utilizing the full aspects of the technology at this point. A lot of cool things. Travis, when's with. the last time you went to a concert or a game? Um, uh, last time I went to, oh dude, last time Chiefs. I went to a, well, I, it was the Chiefs AFC championship game that we lost. Okay. And did you, did you have to bring a physical ticket or did you have the option of bringing, uh, bringing a digital ticket on your phone or something like that? Yeah, I had, I had a digital ticket on my phone. Okay. So like you're, you're, you're talking about your, you mm-hmm. just made a straw man. You're like, oh, you don't have to go put well, the no, ticket. Like, and that's get the way there the has been, but it's like, and now it's like, okay. Um, but but, but message, the, message the Chiefs didn't I got need it on to, my Apple wallet or whatever, yeah, right? But but the the Chiefs didn't need a blockchain and an NFT to get, have mm-hmm. you go into the into yeah, the but a concert dropping you additional things. Yeah, there's there's a lot. Well, of things I mean, that they, they, but yeah. do they do they have your email? Do they send you well, emails well, saying, "Hey, this? the Chiefs are playing the AFC Championship game"? Right. Uh, here, here's some here's some interesting things that you can buy. But like they they already have a relationship with you. If if you're concerned about the relationship. That's way more manageable by having an email list and like just, like giving email, them free stuff as as they need it. Email deliverability is horrible. There's so many times the email doesn't arrive. Like I know every wallet. But you can have an time. app. There's a there's a million communication uh, things besides. Oh, we have to do everything mm-hmm. on the blockchain because her dirt because there's no other internet or something. Because <laughs> it's, it's 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 such a stupid argument to me because. All of these things can be done a hundred times more efficiently, hundred times more cheaply, hundred times better in a centralized system because you don't you have the upgrade ability, you have the ability to change things, you have the ability to customize the experience. You can't do any of that when it's on a blockchain with a smart contract. Right. You know how hard that shit is to update. Like the the the, the use cases that people come up with, I'm I, I'm always like. Well, why why can't you just do that on a website or something? Some cases and, you can't. I and, can tell you. And every verify. single time it's like, well, you know, then I don't I then I'd have to actually build it or something. Yeah. Or we, we verify I, Jimmy Jimmy song screenshots NFTs. We What's that? It. You screenshot NFTs. We know you do. <laughs> right click save and, as. Does that make me a bad right person? Save I don't, I, like, why, why do I need like, to right in, uh, save as? Like why do I need you have intellectual rights or yeah, it's that all of these use cases that people come up with are way better centralized. There's no reason for these things to exist except to pump the coin, the underlying coin, to scam people, to get people to think that they own something that's valuable when in fact it isn't. It's it's all a scam. So to me, like justifications along these lines are are really like just that they're justifications for scamming <laughs> i i really don't understand people that are doing it and try like 
I guess it's uh, it's like what Upton Sinclair said. It's hard to convince a man against uh, well of something if their job depends on them not understanding. And I, I, I feel that for pretty much everyone that's in NFTs because they will defend that blockchain to death, right? Wherever their thing is, it's like, okay, gee, I wonder why they made the NFT thing uh, uh, you know, appear. Because once you get the artist into the NFT uh, ecosystem, now they will defend whatever the ecosystem is to their dying breath. Because it's, oh yeah, you know, I, I don't care that Ethereum had a 70% pre-mine because you know, I'm making money. So therefore it's good, right? Like, and, and everybody has like the starving artist friend, you know, the talented musician that can't seem to catch a break, the talented artist that, that struggles to make ends meet and everything else. And I have sympathy for them, but this is not your solution. This is a bribe by the people of that ecosystem to get you on board. So you will say good things about them to make it seem like they have utility when they really don't. Let me let me ask you this question, Jimmy. You just said that quote. Is it possible? Is it in the realm of possibility that you don't understand? I I definitely understand it. Dude, NFTs were possible on Bitcoin in 2013. I coded the freaking thing. So don't tell me I don't understand. I didn't it. say that. I said, is it possible? Is it in the I, realm? I, I definitely understand it, and I, I I think you're trying to cast shade in my direction because I, I I'm beating you guys so badly over the head <laughs> on how this stuff is such a scam. But I it's love a scam, it. guys. It really is. And until you understand that, and five ten years from now, people are going to be like, oh, remember those guys? You know, they they were pumping NFTs or whatever. Yeah. I, Five like, to ten years from now, when NFTs are still around, can we have you back on the show? I mean, I'm sure. So. Are we, are we somewhere is going to be We're around? To you, but I'm saying, saying it's not going to have the cultural, <laughs> cultural like, oh, you know, it's, this, it's this is a key everything. to the metaverse, a, man. It's, it's a new art or something or whatever, it, and it's, it's bringing just, in so many people into crypto. Like this, this has made so much mass awareness to people about crypto and what it can do that it's bringing in droves. This is potentially the thing that's bringing in mass adoption the metaverse yeah, in you, know, you know how many people come up to me and they go can you explain to me what an nft is and i explain it to them and they're like really that's it that it that that's what people are getting excited it's a it's a database row that has some att attestation or something i'm like yeah and and you know you could transfer it and that's it so there's no so this this art piece it, it has no connection other than by convention i'm like yeah that's that's what it is then why why are people i don't get it like it, it's confusing to people because it's a clear scam and anyone that with with any sense of like reasonableness sees that right away and they're they're like oh i thought i was i i just didn't get something that there was there was some magical thing on the background that was technical that i didn't understand i'm like no, there's there's nothing like that. There's no magical, you know, metaverse thing that you're not mm -hmm. getting or something. It's just literally a database row that says you own something as a convention of the artist and they have no obligations whatsoever to keep that. You're trusting them to do that. And yeah, it, it can be completely fraudulent. Um, it could not be their art. It could be whatever. But, you know, like, that's what it is. Uh, and they're like, 
oh, then I should probably not get into it. Uh, but, you know, they hear stories, oh, people sold for $69 million. Maybe my stupid NFT picture that I just made up will also sell for $69 million. It's like, guys, Let you, me just you say have no this. idea how this shit works. It's all we, because the VCs have pumped it that anything like that happens at all. Clearly, we have no sense, and I'm fine with that. Um, I will That's predict. He's this. maximum, dude. He's the Bitcoin maximum. I, I will maximum. I will predict this in <laughs> ten years. NFTs will be deeply integrated into our society through maybe not through you know cartoon avatars, but through whatever metaverse looks like, virtual worlds look like, whatever play to earn looks like, there will be ups, there will be downs, there will be scammers, there will be shysters, and there will be real value. And in 10 years, that hat on your head, you will be eating. So do you <laughs> what prefer do I get mustard? If I'm right. What do I get if I'm right? I'll, I'll I, eat I, I'm, I'm willing to eat this hat in 10 years. I'll, I'll you eat guys tell me what, what what I get. And if it's equal, we'll, we'll, we'll make that. Well, it's it's not a bat. I'm just saying <laughs> it's a prediction. I'm telling you, this is what's what I believe is going to happen. <laughs> but you have written a new book. And I want to, before we wrap up, I want to focus on this book. Uh, Bitcoin in the American Dream, the new monetary technology transcending our political divide available on Amazon and other places. Tell us what this book is about. Uh, while the title is clear, go a little deeper for us. Yeah, so we wrote this book for politicians, basically. And the reason why we wrote it for them is because they really have no clue what Bitcoin is. So we wanted to show that, give them a book that would give them a good idea of what's going on. I think um, latest stats that I heard from DCG were something like 23 million Americans have some exposure to Bitcoin in some way, shape or form, whether it's through GBTC or something else or directly buying or whatever. 23 million is a lot of people. Um, and so when they hear about Bitcoin, they get a little scared. They're like, OK, who, who are these people? What do they want? And, uh, and what's it all about? That's what we're trying to address with this book. So we make it very useful for politicians to understand, uh, you know, for politicians. We have a whole chapter on Bitcoin and the American voter. Uh, that that's uh, that's like who the actual Bitcoin voters are. And for a lot of people, they think, uh, oh, it's just a bunch of anarcho-libertarian white men that just, uh, you know, were Ron Paul crazies or something like that. Now there are those people in Bitcoin for certain. But that's not all of Bitcoin. In fact, there are lots of other subgroups that you wouldn't otherwise expect. So, for example, black people are more likely to own Bitcoin than white people. That's not something most people know. Uh, so on a per capita basis, more black people own Bitcoin. Um, military veterans, that's another huge group that owns Bitcoin that are very into Bitcoin because you know, they, they've seen what war does and they, uh, they don't like uh, inflation and the welfare warfare state and stuff like that. So we talk about all that um, and we make the argument from a lot of different angles, no matter what part of the political spectrum you come from, you're going to hate, probably hate one chapter and love one chapter because we we try to you know uh, come at things from multiple perspectives. So um, if you're somebody that's super conservative, maybe chapter four, where we talk about social justice, that's going to be like a little bit cringy for you. And if you're way on the left, then maybe like reading about, um, you know, how how it's helping some farmer or something like that, or, 
uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not liberal, so I, it's hard for me to think of what, what they would find objectionable. But there's probably stuff that they find objectionable. Ultimately, what, what we have at the end are policy proposals that we want uh, politicians to espouse. And they are all based on Bitcoin. And that, that's why we wrote the book, to help them uh, understand what it is that this voting group really wants and to you know, get them on board with us. Are you sending copies of this to Capitol Hill to each House, you know, representative and senator's office? Well, so we held the book launch in February in Washington D.C. and invited a whole ton of people. Senator Lummis actually spoke at that uh, gathering, and uh, and she she was very gracious. Um, of course, it helps that one of uh, her daughter is uh, is one of the co-authors, Annalise Wickerspon. Ah. Uh, so. Uh, but we, we we invited a bunch of staff from Capitol Hill and we gave them copies of the book. And that that's uh, that's something that we are continuing to do as we meet with senators and members of Congress and their staff and um, you know governors and uh, state legislators uh, and giving them this book. It's you know, we're, we're talking about what what this uh, what Bitcoin represents and what it means. Um, and honestly, it's like a, it's a much easier issue for them to grasp. And, you know, like there, there are uh, other lobbying groups that do other things that, um, you know, that like Coin Center, for example, they are very into Ethereum and other things. Um, there's also, you know, Blockchain Association, and they have a very wide membership with a lot of different uh, constituents. Uh, for us, it's very important to be Bitcoin only and focus on that uh, because, Honestly, like whatever differences we might have, you guys know if Bitcoin goes down, everything's dead, and that's that's just the reality. And Bitcoin uh, and is if, daddy, that's for sure. Yeah, if if Bitcoin dies, everything dies. Um, and if they're able to take down Bitcoin, they're definitely able to take down absolutely everything else. So that that to me is uh, is an important part of the message is uh, is showing the importance of Bitcoin to all of these people and getting them towards a more you know uh, a Bitcoin uh, you know enabled future where we'll have more self sovereignty. That's beautiful, man. And so where people can find it, it's a Bitcoin in the American Dream, Amazon. All yeah, so Amazon's a good one. I think Bitcoin and the American Dream dot com goes to. The Amazon link, so you can you can go to that URL as well. Um, you can uh, uh, I think I have links to it on my website, programmingbitcoin.com, which is the title of my first book. Um, I might have to switch my website or something at some point for that reason. Um, yeah, it's a song and dance. The song and dance. Uh, well, if you guys would name yourselves Dan, then we can uh, we can, we we can maybe do something like that. But uh, can we I add a title, Travis, to our names? I mean, we're already Doctor Sirlorn, Reverend Most High Joel oh, Travis. Thanks. Yeah. Time Lord Dan. And, and by the way, Dan, by the way, honorary Dan. Honor. Well, what could Dan be short for? Is there like a like a ti- like a title that actually goes with Dan? I, I don't know. That's um, a really good question. If you guys out there listening know what that Dan Sir, be. I guess. I, I guess you guys hold me closer, tiny Dan's right. That's 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 where it hold, comes hold from. me closer, tiny Dan, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, so uh, so there, it, it is it is, uh, you know, meant to be uh, pretty wide ranging. And we're, we're really trying to make some inroads on Capitol Hill. A lot of senators are pretty interested. Um, there's a lot of people on both sides of the aisle. Um, House is a little bit tougher, but we, we definitely have to have some advocates in the House as well. 
So um, I you're supposed to buy, you're progress. supposed to pay them off. You don't. Actually, they don't want your book. They want your money. So if you can somehow, if you can give well, this, what they really want is your Bitcoin, vote. Then they'll be they, like, whoa. What they really want is your vote. That's uh, and that that's that's the current that's the real currency on Capitol Hill. Is that right. if you can deliver them like ten thousand votes from their district, then yeah. then they'll do stuff for you. And with so, voting machines now the way they are, they don't even really need your vote. Oh. <laughs> Fully, uh, yeah. And this is something that uh, that I think we have to realize, recognize as a community, is that like a large portion of this community are, you know, young men from like uh, 18 to 35, something like that, uh, that tend to be libertarian or whatever, and they don't vote. And that means that, uh, that means that we're, we have much less uh, influence on Capitol Hill. Right. But if you, if, if you turn us into single issue voters that go in and vote on the ballot packs, because Hey, Brad Sherman, for example, is very anti-Bitcoin, CA30. If you live in that district and support Erica Rhodes instead and come out of the woodwork for that, that's going to send the message. That's going to get every Congress, uh, member of Congress scared that they can, they can be taken out uh, by the Bitcoin people. So, yeah, that's something to consider. Wow. Well, Jimmy, this has been, as expected, fun, <laughs> enlightening, and um, it's going to be really interesting to see where things go we always appreciate you coming on sharing your opinion what website would you like people to go to to find you or socials uh jimmy song on twitter and programmingbitcoin.com is my website um i i have a lot of articles on there and my seminars uh you can go look at it there and so on you got a nice newsletter too right like people can sign up for yeah, I just turned it to paid. So, uh, I mean, you will still get some free content, uh, but yeah, it, you, you can go check it out. Uh, it's uh, jimmysong.substack.com. Fan-freaking-tastic. Mr. Song, hope to see you again at an event in person with the hat. And uh, yeah. thanks again for coming on today. <laughs> Maybe and, I'll be eating it. I don't know. <laughs> and, thank, and, thanks for, <clears throat> and thanks for being on Blockchain Heroes because you are an NFT. So, sorry. Uh, yeah. I am? Well, you you, ins you inspired an NFT. Yeah, yeah. You oh, are, okay. You are You're not an NFT. the Kool Aid Man. Who busts yeah. Well, I don't. It, it's I don't really believe in intellectual property, so that's another whole can of worms. Wait, wait. Well, let's open that can for just a second. <laughs> are you saying that somebody creates something, then anybody should be able to use it, like whatever that creation is? Well, so it's it's this idea that, you know, patents and copyright, I think it's been really, really abused by, uh, for like copyright as the founders thought of it, like 14 years or uh, with a renewal to 28, something like that. That's fine. But now it's like controlled by the Disney Corporation where, you know, it keeps getting extended because Mickey might run out of copyright or whatever. Right. Um, uh, I, I think that's horrible. I, I think the patent system is ridiculous and stupid, um, and it, it gives uh, artificial monopolies to a lot of a uh, lot of players. So well, let's let's bring it home to the artist. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we I write a song. Travis and I mm -hmm. become you know rappers, and we write a song and put <laughs> it out. Can, is that now public domain? Anybody can use it and do whatever they want with it, and we get nothing or what? Well, so if 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 you write the song like. The, the question is, can you have metaphysical property um, that is sort of like enforced by government mandate? And I'm, I'm not sure you can. Um, I, and I, I don't know if it's right for a government to do that. Um, and that, you know, like 
with, with Bitcoin, it's metaphysical property that is enforced by block uh, by the blockchain, and it's you know you you know who owns it or whatever. With intellectual property, other metaphysical things like uh, okay, this is my work or something like that. Then it then it's uh, you know sort of government enforcement of things. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing. And I, I think we've gone way too much in one direction, which is protect whoever the creator or the rights owner is. Um, and that always, end, that almost always ends up with, uh, you know, some corporation anyway. And well, get I, I would say it, but. that most of what the government does, they mm -hmm. do poorly and have no mm -hmm. business doing in the mm -hmm. first place. So I, I don't disagree yeah. with at least part of that. Yeah. And so if there is no real good enforcement mechanism or it requires tyranny in order to enforce that, I'm not sure it should exist. Mm -hmm. That's 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 what I'm saying. So like so say you make a, 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 a you know, like a song or whatever, what's considered a violation? Can I make a parody of it? Um, can well, parody, I parody, it? it parody is protected, right? It is because they, they decided, well, OK, we can't enforce it just like strictly because then then it wouldn't make sense so like there's all this subjective judgment that comes in towards stuff like that so for that reason i i i like it either has to have like clear property boundaries or it shouldn't be a it, it shouldn't be considered property and uh, that's enforced by the state at all so you know that i'm and I, there, there are libertarian thinkers that have uh, thought much harder than me on this. And you can go read like the writings of Stefan Kinsella or something like that. Um, but but, you know, like there, there's good reason to believe that like having intellectual property rights actually like uh, prevents innovation in all sorts of ways. Well, look at look at what a lot of you know musicians do. I remember, you know, in the 80s, the first time we heard sampling really late mm -hmm. 70s, we heard sampling and, you know, you had uh, uh, under pressure became ice ice baby and, um, mm -hmm. you know, Rick James song became you can't touch this. And I'm like, they literally are just taking the riffs from other mm -hmm. people's music and creating something new. And I don't know if they do it, you know, a lot of times with permission, without permission. But I always think it's it's kind of the cheap way, you know, copying somebody else's stuff. Well, I, I, I don't know about that because like uh, like when, when you when you sample something and create something brand new, that that that's sort of like, you know, taking elements from different things like, you know, there are lots of people that have used the literal words that are in this book. Right. Like so, for example, I, I say the rise of the Bitcoin voter. Um, I, I, I'm sure somebody at the beginning came up with uh, some sort of tagline about rise of something or other. Do I have to give them credit for it now? Because like, uh, you know, I, I, I came up with this phrase. I have no idea where it comes from, but it's a, part of the social lexicon. And music is like that. Art is like that. All, all, all things are like that. And, uh, and to say, OK, this person owns this phrase or this, you know, I mean, like athletes, for some reason, like to uh, trademark phrases. Right. And it's like, oh, no, that phrase like Pat Riley apparently owns the trademark to three Pete or something like that because he did it with the Lakers. And it, it, that seems ridiculous to me. That's a, that like, why do you get to own a word? Uh, it, it, it doesn't really, you know, so for that reason, like, uh, like you might consider it cheap, you might consider whatever, but if you're making something new, like what's wrong with that? Like, well, it, like you know, Daft Punk's like, famous song like they sampled some 70s song and they took 
three, you know, beats from it and then created that whole thing. And it became this, uh, you know, like phenomenal hit uh, in music. And, you know, like even like uh, Vanilla Ice, that the Ice Ice Baby song, he just took the riff, but he rapped over it. And that rap it itself is a very new thing. And to say, oh, it's a derivative work. So, oh, I'm going to I'm going to be all snobby and, uh, and and tell you that it's it's not as good. Well, you 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 have the right to do that. And a lot of people will rag on the Ice Ice Baby song or whatever. But as an artist, like, why are you bound by other uh, other people saying, well, that that's my property now because you know i made that beat you know 30 years ago why how, how how is it yours in any you you've put it out into the world and you know the music's everywhere on the radio and everything else like it, it, it like the whole intellectual property thing seems uh kind of disingenuous to me and besides most artists nowadays they're making most of their money off of you know, like uh, performance and stuff like that anyway. So I, I don't well, know, Jimmy, it, it just seems you, uh, you know, being a, um, uh, mm -hmm. a spiritual man, you know, mm -hmm. the uh, the Bible verse about there's nothing new under the sun, right? Yeah. Everything is, you know, so if you're coming from that perspective, God's the creator of everything. He's got the copyright to all intellectual property and and we just get to, you know, to play with it um, and, and make derivatives. But to be clear, I don't care how talented uh, Vanilla Ice was or how much you like Ice Ice Baby. Under Pressure is a far superior song. Case closed. <laughs> Eat my hat on that. Well, I, I, I would probably agree, although like I, I haven't I, I'm not uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a music critic per se. Yeah. So I, Joel I just doesn't understand Ice Ice Baby. That's a problem. <laughs> Stop. Collaborate. I do know that more, more people know the lyrics of Ice Ice Baby than Under Pressure. That's probably certain. true. Yeah, that, that is so, probably uh, like culturally, it probably had more of an impact. <sighs> Cultural appropriation is a bad thing in this day and age. <laughs> All right, let's end the show for the second time. Um, Jimmy, <laughs> thanks, man. Really appreciate you. It's been great. Well, thanks for having me. That was awesome. The rise of Jimmy's song. We got a rise out of him. <laughs> You gotta love that guy, Trav. I mean, he's he's sticking to his guns. Um, I thought it was funny that he used Beanie Babies as an example because I was recently researching Beanie Babies and they're really valuable now. Like I don't right. when, when I left Colorado, we had bins of them and I donated them all. I'm like, well, the value of these has gone down. I was very short-sighted and donated these bins. I'm like, I probably donated at least a hundred thousand dollars, I'm guessing, worth of what they would be worth today. Of beanie right <laughs> crazy 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 yeah and, and he, he he did have some points and uh because he always he always does have points but you can say he's just so into bitcoin that he doesn't care about this other stuff he's mining bitcoin coding bitcoin all in bitcoin and there's so many use cases for nfts man the artists are, are changing the game on how they're doing nfts and musicians are changing the game like how Snoop Dogg just released his album as an NFT. Mm -hmm. And the more NFTs of the, that you collect, you collect all of them, you get to go hang out with Snoop Dogg. Like, so it's, it's all about the utility, all about the experience. And I think, you know, he goes, well, you can do all that stuff without for free. You can do it. Like, yeah, but you know what? This is a thing that's bringing in mass adoption. So many people are getting into crypto because of NFTs, not because of Bitcoin. They're getting in on NFTs and then finding Bitcoin or starting to snag into some Bitcoin. So, so Travis, for everybody up in her. 
I, even, I even, even this guy right here, this guy can even hang out. Yeah, he can. Uh, so I wasn't going to say anything because it hadn't been publicly announced yet, but I was just, uh, I was refreshing the VCon page because usually they put out announcements on Friday and uh, they just announced the uh, 2022 speaker lineup. And look who's right here in the middle. Look at this guy right here in the middle. Uh, nice. I'm going to be on a panel at VCon. And uh, super exciting right around. the I don't know what's going on with this girl. Is that a rope? No, that's her hair. <laughs> nice. OK, so I will not be speaking, but I will be cheering for Sir Lord Joel Com and his speaking. Thank you. Good, sir. You can you can. Uh, and I'm sure I will reference you. That's I will good, say man. there's I so always do because we've been doing this shit. Forget we've been doing this shit together, man, making magic happen. And uh, it's just it's just great because a lot of people out there. There's so many change makers out here that are trying to make the world a better place. And uh, that's what it's all about, because the people who run the world are a little crazy, a little power hungry, a little control mongers and greedy. And uh, so we got we got to find ways to change the world. And events like this, Bitcoin conference, VCon, NFTLA, other things like that. The people who are in the roundtable group that we're involved in and that we'll start to do more of this content around. Like these are the change makers that are going to help make the world a better place, because if not, we're going to be in this dystopian authoritarian technology thing that's just crazy. Mm -hmm. So. You got to keep fighting the good fight, baby. We are all in this together, gang. Wag me. And uh, we appreciate you guys for listening. Thanks so much. Love to hear your feedback on the show. And again, if you're going to VCon in May, send us an email, bagcryptopodcast at gmail.com. And that way we'll just, we'll, we'll keep a list of who's going to be there. We'll let you know, um, you know, when and where we're going to meet up there and uh, in Minneapolis. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. It's going to be an awesome one. We're going to talk all about helium with one of the most active community members it'll be epic it'll be up in the air until then stay back who's bad the bad crypto podcast is a production of bad crypto llc the content of the show the videos and the website is provided for educational informational and entertainment purposes only it's not intended to be and does not constitute financial investment or trading advice of any kind you shouldn't make any decisions as to finances investing trading or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor please understand that the trading of bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.